<coughs> you wanna, Mr. Burke? So, 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 could you explain the uh, album the cover album there? The album cover? I have no idea. I, I haven't looked into it. Yeah, this is the new one. What do you think? It's Is it just like I a candid know. moment, or what do you think? It is looks the like mannequins almost, which is, is kind of weird. Hmm. I don't know. Because most of his album covers him has his face on the cover. Yeah. Well, what was I saying? What was I talking you about? You were talking about oh, yeah, uh, so acting. There was a... Um, it was a kind of a cool experience, a unique experience that I hadn't had acting-wise. Um, the makeup artist that worked on most of the Scouts project documentary over the past couple of years, um, somehow she got connected. Actually, I kind of connected her with Brett because I knew he was looking for a makeup artist because um, the character that I, that I was playing was this was the brother of the main character who had been in a car accident and he was in the hospital. And so she kind of she did this makeup um, of this huge bruise and like bloodied face on this side, and it was probably a forty-five minute process putting the. She had like wax and she was like shaping. What was the like, scene? No, no, all the whole the the only it was only two insert shots, mm. and it was just me laying. I was I was standing actually, but I was supposed to be laying. It's kind of this false overhead shot. So I'm standing up in reality, but I'm supposed to be laying on a bed, on a hospital bed, like a turquoise, you know, kind of hospital bed. And I have this gown, like this hospital gown on. Well, in reality, it was like this surgeon's outfit. But anyway, it was supposed to be a hospital gown. And you have this like crazy, it was very realistic looking though. It was probably the best makeup, like indie stuff that I've ever seen. She did a pretty, pretty amazing job uh, on it. Took about 45 minutes and my eye was kind of burning uh, at that point, at the end point, it wasn't that bad. She she did a really good job of, uh, you know, keeping. Obviously, she was experienced, and so that was nice. Um, yeah, I got, she had, she was gonna send me a picture of what it looked. like. I mean, I, I saw it, but she didn't send a picture. I'll show you when I get that. Yeah. It was cool though. It was uh, just a couple of little insert shots. One was me, just lying there, barely alive, and the other one, I died. I just kind of slowly threw my head down to the side on the pillow and I'm dead. So is it possible to summarize this film in a tagline or in a long oh, line? Oh, wow. <laughs> you need Brett for that. Like all Brett films. In a line? Uh, How long is it? Eight pages, nine pages. Yeah. So probably. Probably it's not a very long film. No. But I think that it might be his most um, linear, like most layman film to date so it, it's it, but it, it still has the it still has the signature Brett Brett Taylor films aspects to it which I like um, just being very like existential and uh, I don't know what other aspects that are like very commonplace throughout his that I could name but have you read the script yet Colin do you okay do you have it I'll send it to you after this. It's yeah, it's, it's, short. it's a very interesting read. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I really, actually, I don't even want to give like a, a log line because I don't want to spoil it for you. But it's it's cool. Yeah, it was. I think it was probably my favorite script of his to read so far. But I think I preferred Counterpart. Oh yeah. But yeah. I forgot about that. The film that never happened. Yeah. yeah. yeah what happened? Started, I don't remember what happened. We had one. It was like a like a half filming day or something and. 
Actually, no, no. It was like a full. It was like a several hours. We shot get a little the, closer. We shot at the high school, and um, it was like all handheld, or yeah, all. Um, it was like found footage style, which I really liked. Um, yeah, we shot like a, like for an hour at the high school, and then for like a couple hours at, I think it was Brett's house, like in his basement, and that's yeah, that was like the the only filming day, and then just people sort of flaked and that was oh, the end of that production that so, but yeah amazing script really amazing script hopefully that doesn't happen to us <laughs> yeah we'll so see so far something I mean so good well, the, thing, the, the good thing is about this the, the beginning process is you get rid of all of those kind of people so then at least you know who's available you know who's really going to be there or not at least you think mm-hmm. I mean the first day really is that you see that come to you know, fruition. Who's mm-hmm. who's really gonna be there or not? But so, how was the Barbie and Ken? Oh yeah, film. Oh my god, I saw pictures of that. Was that awful? Uh, or was that? Well, it was just sort of. Um, you know, you got to do what you. You got to go out of your way for the students, just because. Um, I mean, this is like for for the group I was working with. This was probably like their first short film that they'd ever made, and so they really had like very little experience with like lighting and directing and. Uh, like cinematography and all of that, and it was like very high stress for them. It was they had three hours. Um, when and one day they, uh, one day like the day before they they wrote their whole script, but you know most of the day was eaten up because of all the PowerPoint slides they were going through. So they had barely any time to actually write their scripts. And then that that uh, the next day, yesterday, um, they were. Um, we did another some more presentations, and then they had like like thirty minutes to storyboard before we broke for lunch, and then from like twelve until three, they had to shoot their entire film in the school. So it's like crunch time. Oh, and yeah. for people who for like young filmmakers who well they're not filmmakers they have no experience. It's like they don't even realize the tidal wave that's coming their oh, way. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like I, I like Tried to devoured help. my sandwich and like. Like a minute, just just completely inhaled it, right? And I was like, okay, we need to knock out these storyboards. So we got those done in like thirty minutes, and or yeah, twenty thirty minutes. And what's funny is like we didn't we didn't even end up using it, <laughs> like just completely just, out the window, yeah, come on, gone. You know, the the director like just she took over, which was great. It's like that but one like, that's at least note good. that you put on Crimes Crime or one film that we yeah. did where it was like <laughs> art director. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, at, at least at, at that point in, in your in the filmmaking, it's just like. Really, the director, the camera operator. That's it. And then, like, maybe somebody moving, like, a light the around. Stuff. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, the carrying ex- the all extra the, stuff. the crap. You're just, yeah. The pack mule. Just, mm-hmm. like, moving stuff to different one, locations. Yeah. I remember in the, being a sophomore, it'd be, like, a three-person group, and that'd pretty much be it right there. Nope. Cam- cameraman, director, L director, the man, boss man. And then, <laughs> that's all you need. And then the useless guy who had no idea what he was doing, <laughs> and he was just carrying around stuff. Yeah, carrying the scripts and... Uh, but yeah, and then um, so yeah, for the the concept that for the group I was working with, it was like um, Barbie. There was there are three actors. I was Ken. There was Raquel, and then Barbie, and uh, yeah, basically Ken and Raquel have like a thing, and Barbie uh, tries to kill Ken and Raquel because 
you know, Ken was cheating on homicidal Barbie. Yeah, basically, that's basically it. Or they were all R-rated Barbie. Yeah, horror comedy. Um, so I thought it was a pretty like interesting and clever idea. Um, when it came to actual filming, like it really wasn't bad. I don't have any like r- like legitimate acting experience. I think I did fine, um, and it really wasn't like it really wasn't horrible. Like your ego dissolves a little bit just because mm-hmm. it's like it, it's kind of cringe. But it's like, also, who cares? You're just kind of doing it for the, yeah. the students. But at one point, it was like, it was a little weird because um, I was like, okay, so so Barbie was like holding me up, and I was probably like inches away from Samantha's face, and I was like basically trying to like squirm away, but she was like holding on to me and like holding mm-hmm. me up, but it was it was so awkward because like. Everything up until that point, it was just us filming. And then, of course, during that moment where it's, like, like kind of pseudo-intimate and, like, I'm holding on to her and it's, like, kind of... Of course, Emily shows up and she's, like, recording, like, it's, like, come on now, you know? And then, like, other people show up, like, other, uh, like, students, they just show up to watch. I'm, like, are you serious? Like, why? It's, this is, like... Nothing else to do. This, yeah, this is the universe just, like, crapping on me, you know, for, mm. for about, you know, for a couple minutes, but... Um, aside from that, it really wasn't bad. It was like it was a pretty three hours, and it flew by. But it also didn't feel. It felt like just the right amount of time. Like we we finished just in time, uh, like maybe five minutes to spare. So mm. it was crunch time the whole time, but we got it done. So it was it was a good experience, and I think they were really proud of the end results. So how do you do the lines? Do you read them right there and then boom yeah I, I basically like just went line by line and um i really didn't have it that that difficult um leah who played raquel she like she had this massive monologue and she delivered it really well like she it was pretty impressive i was like dang i five minute memorize it or like oh, yeah probably but mm-hmm. like still it was impressive i yeah. mean to to be able to uh you know spew that out on the spot <laughs> but i i just had like lines that i had to memorize here and there and so it really wasn't too difficult for me um yeah speaking of barbie isn't there a yes, margot there robbie margot robbie film? and ryan gosling baz lerman or is that no nope, it's, that. I'm it's that um lady Greta bird Gerwig. yeah Greta Greta Gerwig. Gerwig. Yeah. yep ryan gosling and i've Kinda seen some stills odd. some behind the scenes stills i'm not sure that movie could be anything right now it's nc-17 right yeah so i think it's it might what? it might be kind yeah. of the same Whoa. It might be taking that down a way darker path, similar to this yeah. student short film. Who knows? Oh my god! Because right now, I think it's com- pretty much completely unknown, like the nature of that film. Nobody Same with knows. the um, another NC seventeen film coming out is Blonde. The oh, the Marilyn, Marilyn oh, the, Monroe the, film. Uh, mm, yep. Anna de Armas. Yeah, yeah that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. And who's directing that? I don't know. Great question. Isn't that a twenty four? Both of them are actually, I think. Upcoming romantic comedy film. That's Barbie. You're talking yeah, about Barbie. Barbie. Right? Yeah. Interesting. Romantic comedy. That's weird. Who? What production company? Is it? Hold on. Did it say? I want to verify the rating. Apparently it's PG thirteen. I got the I got them mixed up. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, you oh, think blonde. blonde is yeah. blonde. Yep. Um 
Wait, are you asking for like the for Blonde Production no, Company? Or either, either one. I just was curious. We'll talk about something else while I'm looking at this. Um, so it's not just air. Spew. Well, this Come is on, spew. episode seven of As It Really Is. Seven. Our first unstructured episode. As you can tell. <laughs> yep. Air. You just need to title this podcast Air. Air. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing just else. Listen to the ASMR air conditioning in the background. So, give us a good run-through of your Bob Dylan experience. Yes. And then I, I want you to, to try to explain that album cover t-shirt. I don't t-shirt, know. I can looks super cool. see it myself. I'm looking at it backwards. You, well, you, you've seen it. You saw it when you put the shirt on today. So Okay. I'll take a picture of it and show you if you want. All right. Me and my dad went to Denver for Bob Dylan's last concert of his never-ending tour in the U.S. And he's just turned 81. So it was a pretty big deal, and he's actually going on tour in Europe starting September, maybe? I don't know. So we caught the last, the bookend of his tour. So go there, have that phone thing. And I, I've been reading about he doesn't like anybody recording his concerts, doesn't like anybody bootlegging his music or anything. So we put our phones in this pouch that would seal them up, and you couldn't use them during the concert which is unfortunate because I wanted just one picture of him or something, but alas. The nature of the beast nothing. there. Huh. Yeah. So we're maybe six or seven rows back, and he starts playing some blues number, and I am vaguely familiar with the set list because I listened to the album, his newest album, Rough and Rowdy Ways, the day before the concert, but I was still pretty new to the whole thing and he played a couple of obscure old tracks that were on his 60s albums but I, I didn't really know them either so I was just going into it fresh and starts playing this instrumental everybody's cheering everybody's kind of prostrating and uh, you know bowing. singing praises and bowing, bowing and yeah bowing and to God yes Bob Dylan and I was like okay he's not a god but there was a lot of people who were just reminiscing and living mm-hmm. reliving the 60s and he's not the same guy, obviously, but he kind of waddled out there, and you could see his frizzy hair illuminated by the light in the background. I was like, I, I hope he shows his face, because if he just has is this shadow face the whole time, then I'm it's just... going to suck. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be terrible. Never actually see him. Yeah. But I knew that's something that he's notorious for, so I, I yeah. was kind of expecting that. But anyway, of course, he never addresses the audience. It just goes right on playing, and everybody's clapping. And they steps, and that was his only song that he played guitar on. So he stepped behind the piano for the rest of the concert, and would just play and have this gravelly, nasally trademark. Was it only him? No, it was like four or five okay. band members. There was a drummer. There was a guitarist. There was mm-hmm. another guitarist. There was a bass slide guitar, and then him on the piano the whole time, and. Oddly enough, the songs that I dis not disliked, but I just wasn't an immediate fan of while listening to the album on the way up to Colorado, I liked in the concert is I kind of finally grokked the meaning of some of his lyrics and him talking about his mortality and the friends that he's seen pass on, like mm-hmm. his musician friends and how he's lucky to be alive still and. Uh, 
his said he said once that like a, a day above ground is a good day and he still gets a thrill out of performing because it makes you wonder he's 81 why why, why is he still, still performing mm -hmm. but he's still writing new material he's still getting a thrill out of it so he must so like it even though he's not addressing his audience at all mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know what else to say how hmm trying to think of a at 81 how much how much do you think how much is he seeing, with it yes compared to he's maybe seeing it. him in like the 70s or something yeah he's still very sharp he's very well read and he, based on interviews that you've seen or like well just the the illusions and references and, and drops it Got he's it. very humble and guards his knowledge closely kind of like robert green and for your laws of power, you which I want to hear your thoughts. Conceal on. his intentions and doesn't preen himself or prattle on about his achievements or anything. So he's very humble, and he says, "I Bob Dylan's just a name. I'm just a guy. I'm not a prophet." And that's one of his songs: "Is False Prophet." I ain't no false prophet. I just said what I said. And even though everybody vaunts him and venerates him for being one of the greatest songwriters of all time. And he's like, that's not me, that's not me, it ain't me, babe. And, yeah. And I'm trying to remember some of the other songs in his set list that I liked. But there was a lot of blues numbers, so it was just... Mm -hmm. But he could set them to good lyrics. But the thing about him is, I've been reading a biography, and he totally crapped out after... I w in my opinion, he didn't crap out, but for other people... He, what? Oh, okay. For other people, his career kind of went on a downward spiral after the 70s because he was taking all these amphetamines and drugs mm. and mm. alcohol and had all kinds of just, he was intoxicated almost every performance and everything that he's writing. So he was just spewing songs unconsciously. They were just flowing out of him and had this volume of work, this amazing, if he just quit right there and rested on his laurels, didn't have to sing another day in his life. But then he became a family man, got kids, and married, and then it kind of settled him down a little bit. And then he went clean and mm -hmm. saw the 27 Club of Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin and Brian Jones and all them who died of drug overdoses. So it was kind of like moving into the 70s, it was this sober-up period mm. of... A lot of musicians, not all, but he still had friends like the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia, who died of, I, it wasn't overdose, but he, he did a lot of drugs, and then Eric Clapton did cocaine, and anyway, so he didn't want to go down that same path, so he became kind of this family man, and then subsequently lost a lot of his following, pizzazz and following, and mm. yeah, and Why then- Why do you think that is? Like, just because of that, or- you're saying after he cleaned up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why do you think? Well, okay, then he went, he shifted into a phase of Born Again Bob, mm. where he found the Lord. Reborn. And, yeah, and because he's Jewish originally. Yeah. He was born to Jewish parents. And so then they were like, what? Bobby, why are you <laughs> turning to this Christ figure? This is not your upbringing. We did not teach you. Your rabbi did not teach you that. And... But his parents are, are really supportive. Like, they paid for him to go off to New York or something for 
because he dropped out of the University of Minnesota or something, went to New York for a year, and they paid for him to go over there mm-hmm. and said, you figure it out for a year, and if you yeah. fail, then you're coming back to school. Yeah. They paid for him to go figure it out with music. So it's pretty pretty cool. But especially then. Yeah. And so he went and saw his hero, Woody Guthrie, who was a folk singer yeah. and was dying. And really broke onto the scene there and made a name for himself through harmonica and whatnot. But anyway, so b- born again period in the eighties and people kind of like, eh, that turned them off to Did his style a- alienated kind of certain did he groups. did his did his like sound shift? His sound shift? Like his yeah, his sound kinda, always shifts, but oh, that, I yeah. thought it was some of his best music of all time. Hmm. In my opinion, but it it alienates a lot of people yeah, who don't base. like that subject matter. Mm-hmm. So then he kind of plateaued in other people's eyes and mm-hmm. went downhill in the eighties when there's all this synthetic sound and yeah, yeah, yeah. echoey drums and just really mechanic music and he called it he called it like this great phrase it was like artless corporate sound or something Mm -hmm. so it was just he disdained a lot of the new techniques of recording and he's this one take bob kind Mm -hmm. of guy where he just plays it live he says i'm out of here like he doesn't like the recording studio at all Mm -hmm. but i'm sorry rambling but i'm almost getting to the story so then in the late 80s to 90s he just totally went off terra incognita just nobody heard from him and didn't record an album for five or six years people thought he had hung up his spurs was done over the hill and he was going into 40s or 50s something like that so he was up there in age and was kind of this dying hollywood actor-ish star and so people were longing for the return of the 60s. Mm-hmm. And then in 1997, he released this comeback album, this like total trailblazing album, Time Out of Mind, which won best Grammy of the, the, the won Grammy for the best album of the year. And then he subsequently won an Oscar for best song, which I read that he beats Titanic and another... Mm film for best score for best song it was like how was do you song. even yeah do you it, the song it, it's called things have changed and it's for a michael douglas toby Maguire, and i don't know who else is in it but it's called wonder boys i think hmm. yeah and it was in 2001 or two but okay. yeah one best song for that over titanic and another really good composer Great. yeah yeah I was like, how is that even possible? Mm. But yeah, so he totally was on this upward track again, and then boom, just a a spate of albums just erupted out of him in the 50s and 60s, and and he's back. And still producing work. So It's pretty incredible. Has he had like any major health issues? Major health issues. None that you can public about, at least? No public ones. Well, he smoked a lot. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I hope he doesn't die of lung cancer or anything, but... I mean, 81's pretty good. Well, that's the thing, is, like, most everybody smoked back in the day. Paul McCartney smoked, oh, yeah. Lennon smoked. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Hmm. So it's kind of just a roll of, Paul roll of the dice. Mm, 78. That's and he's still performing. Did you see that video of the him and John Lennon doing a performance? They 
cast John Lennon up on the screen mm. and had oh, him do yeah. it to oh, a song, yeah. which is pretty cool. So Paul McCartney's still performing. Ringo mm-hmm. is still performing. Mm-hmm. Roger Waters coming to Kansas City. Yeah, when, when is that? 2023? No, September. This oh. September. Yep. <coughs> so Bob Dylan and Roger Waters in one year. Yeah. That's Finally cool. see the old fogies before the, yeah. Yep. yeah. Wow. Yeah. It makes you wonder because John Lennon said something along the lines of he didn't want to be doing She Loves You when he was 80. <coughs> and and yet Dylan's still releasing new albums. And he's keeping it fresh by not doing Just like rehashing. Rolling Stone and yeah. Blown in the Wind. It's yeah. like, all right, here I go for the yeah. 5,000th time. It's like it keeps you, I feel like at that point when you're that old, Creating new material and performing keeps you, to some degree, keeps you alive. Yeah. Keeps you invigorated to live. Something to live for, yeah. Not just, yeah, yeah, just repeating. And what's great is, I don't know if this is a Robert Greene tactic, but he is totally indifferent to his fans. It's like he, their criticism is water off his back. It's just, Mm -hmm. doesn't affect him. Everything's a Robert Greene tactic. Yeah. Well, that's well, a huge part I, of stoicism, of right? Is just <coughs> letting all yeah. sort of criticism and mm-hmm. all that just sort of deflect off of you. Yeah. Or any sort of like insults. And he kind of refuses matter. to be corrupted by corporate mm-hmm. influence. Yep. Like how you see a lot of Beatles or a lot of ads that have Beatles songs in them and yep. are just used yep. to sell ladies' underwear or something, which. Dylan eventually caved too, but not for a long time. He kept his dignity. <laughs> Can't do it. Yeah. Here's five million, Bob. Well, that's the that was the thing about Bill Watterson, Kevin Hobbs, mm. comic trip. He refused to be compromised by oh, yeah. advertising and uh, licensing out his work. Like you can't find a single T-shirt. I tried to get a T-shirt, but it disappeared the next day. Oh yeah. You could probably find some that are. Yeah, not. there's probably a lot of. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Do you compromise your art to sell more, or do you keep it, yeah, in this tiny bubble and only have the intrinsic value of it? It's a balance. Hmm. Hmm. What I do you like, think? I feel like you kind of have to sacrifice, like the uh, inherent beauty and value of art initially, to sort of you know, uh, be, be somewhat successful and get to a point where then you can uh, refuse it. Yeah. You can refuse it and you can just create for the sake of, of creating. Yeah. I think that's a move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But early on, you kind of have to cave in a little bit. What were you going to say? No, pretty much the same thing. Well, there's a lot of, uh, what also comes to mind is child actors Mm -hmm. like Macaulay Culkin Mm -hmm. or they just burn out Jake Lloyd. Well, I don't know if they burn out, but they just have a pretty I mean, it's not traumatic, but they have such a different childhood from every other kid that they're they have this kind of you know in in like this built-in not trauma but just difference, and then society doesn't really fit there. Say, little Thomas is twelve mm. years old. Spielberg asked you to be in. It'll be younger than film. twelve. But okay, yeah, younger sure, than twelve, sure, whatever. Sure. Would you do it? I suppose your parents are really making the decision. Yeah, the parents are making a decision. Sure, I mean, do it. I think it's at that point. I think it's really the child actors that do like a ton of films, like do you know, Imagine or they're on a TV show for like six years. Be on some Disney, Daniel Radcliffe XD or something, Emma Watson, and yeah. uh, they, they seem to be all right, right though. They seem to be they've they've. Well, it's you know, harder right. to be 
in one stereotypical role, like one. Imagine that. Yeah, you're just you're Harry Potter. For you're the Frodo. Next Ten years. Yep. That's it. That's all that people know you by. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. It's hard for those actors who are in a some series to that's escape been it. a yeah. book or a, some trilogy, mm-hmm. Star Wars. Mark Hamill. I mean, he was the Joker in that one mm-hmm. cartoon. Yeah, series, he did the voice. He's done a lot of voice acting. Yeah, but yeah, no, you're right. Well, it is. It is definitely hard for people that are like their their big hit is a series, and then and it's hard for them to that. escape that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just get, yep. or they just end up, you know, whether they want to or not, getting typecast as that character. But Daniel Daniel Radcliffe's done some cool indie films. I haven't seen much of his stuff, but he's done some indie films. I've only seen like one, and it was um, <laughs> I forget the name. Oh my gosh. He's like this dead body, and uh, yeah, let me just look it up. It's it's is a it called wild film. Is it is it recent? Yeah, uh, somewhere isn't it like called Jackknife or something? No. I can't. I swear there was a fairly recent film. Oh, Swiss Army Man. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's, that's what I was trying to think Swiss of. Swiss Army. Or, Swiss Army Man. Yeah, he has, he has like guns on his hands. Or no, something. no, no. That's uh, I thought that was the same thing. No, that's Guns Akimbo, which I haven't seen oh, either. He's in some uh, nutty. <clears throat> it's a pretty nutty looking indie film. Adam, would you ever consider doing TV? No. So, Never. nope. Back to that. Thank you. Whenever as an w- acting? One this will be actor. Whenever I was getting that makeup done and sitting in the chair for about 45 minutes, I was I tried to put myself in the shoes of like a TV actor who's getting like 2 hours of makeup or you know, however much. Obviously, you wouldn't need that every day depending on the scenes, but yeah, it's a lot of sitting there and waiting and then you got your little chair on set and while they're setting up, you're just sitting around. Sitting around, sitting around. For two shots. Yeah. But, I mean, it would probably depend on the de- <coughs> well, on the situation. But, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd try it at least for a while as an actor. But I'm saying, like, filming TV. You wouldn't do filming? I don't, I mean, unless it was a show. I mean, again, like, in the beginning, you kind of have to sacrifice what you want to do to get your name out there. And so I would probably do it initially if that was sort of the route I wanted to go, which right now... You're talking about making TV? Yeah. Oh. And and shooting television. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, Hmm. Where I'm at right now, I don't see myself going the television route. I see myself going like the narrative film route or maybe like the nature conservation documentary filmmaking route. Um Maybe doing some like underwater filmmaking or something like that. Like that sounds really cool to me. Like adventure filmmaking for like Nat Geo. Like that yeah. sounds awesome to me. What was that one film? But Samsara or something? Dude, yep. Did that inspire you to <clears throat> not really have any idea? I mean, no, it really. was it was an inspirational in the sense that um, these filmmakers spent five years of their lives shooting this. Some of the probably some like the best cinematography I've ever seen, like in a film. Just this orgasmic, visually orgasmic imagery. Every shot is just pristine and some of the most uh, beautiful um, like time, time-lapse time filmography like ever. It's just absolutely incredible. It's, it's only like an hour and a half. It's not a very long film, but it's this um, like visual narrative and it takes you across 25 different countries and you get to experience like... Um, like different rituals within different cultures and stuff like that. And you see, you get to see the very best of humanity, like in its most purest form. And then like the very worst, um, what was the very worst? Uh, well, like 
the assembly line meatpacking plant, like just this completely that Chipotle ad. Yeah, basically the Chipotle the pure imagination. Yeah. Pure imagination. It's basically yeah. that, uh, and so much more. Just the pollution in a realistic sense. Scenes sure. and like probably shot in like India or somewhere, but just like these mounds of garbage and people just like just like wandering through these mounds trying to find stuff, stuff. to oh, that yeah. they can take. It looks like the the junkyard yard scene out of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Just like this complete wasteland. Yep. But there are parts of the world that look like that, and, and so. Just absolutely incredible. I know what's sad is like, I mean, the world's obviously like constantly changing, and there are like some, some like things in the film that were outdated. But like, um, like in Dubai, I think like there is a there's a scene with Dubai, and like certain things were. I mean, obviously it's it's changed a lot, but anyway, um, like insanely good film, and I don't know if that's that's gotten me like interested in in documentary filmmaking, but. I definitely have a lot of respect for that film. I don't know, at least right now, I don't know if I could spend like five years making one film just for the for the sheer fact that like... If I mean, it flops. If it flops, yeah. like, oh my gosh. But at the same time, it's like that is just a, a brilliant piece of, of mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. But you need to have that... Uh, like technical proficiency, you need to have like that vision. It wasn't technic that technically crazy. It was just, you know. But obviously, yeah, the vision I think is so important for that. Yeah. If you're gonna spend five years, you well, need to I mean, you have to be technically proficient. No, you're I in know. These remote yeah. locations on a for very sure. like tight budget, and you have to get these shots, mm-hmm. and you probably like pretty skeleton crew. I mean, some oh, of these yeah. loca- locations they were shooting incredibly remote. You need to know what you're doing. You need to basically be like a very, uh, very skilled technician, or you're just gonna screw yourself yeah. over you got one chance in some of those areas to do yeah to capture what you're going to capture <clears throat> and that's actually like I something that's very similar to like adventure filmmaking for net geo i was like just watching a couple of videos on it but like um i mean you're you find yourself in very remote locations and like nobody's there to help you like you're basically relying on yourself one man like, like you're in the you're in antarctica shooting like a i mean you got mm-hmm. like five dudes that are like doing ice climbing or uh yeah. like hiking around and you're like the filmmaker and like there's nobody freaking out there like not mm-hmm. to say that i would go to that extreme i don't know if i'd want to do that yeah what but extreme like, would you you go are to? relying on yourself i don't know what are you getting paid <laughs> what are you getting paid but but the beautiful thing about that or not the beautiful thing but the cool thing about like that job if like somehow like by some miracle i get to work for like net geo or something like that i mean the pay is like what like I was looking at it. it's like sixty grand seventy grand a year for like uh, a shooter or like a like a cinematographer or whatever, but you're also being paid to travel the world and see. Yeah, the, you're like, not working. Some at of the all. most you're not working. You're exactly. not working, and you're getting paid seventy yeah. thousand, and you know probably all the sweet deal the oh, yeah. the benefits that come with it. It's like yeah. okay, the, like that's a dream come true. Like yeah. you don't need more money than that. I mean that's 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 it. That's the dream. Mm-hmm. You know you could pitch to them. Is a film adaptation of Endurance, yeah, or Antarctica Voyage, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's true. So you don't remember what that Dubai scene was because you mentioned something, but then you oh no, that, that was just like a fly comment. Okay. I don't know why I said that. Ignore okay. that. Something um, that I really enjoyed about Samsara, just because it was, it presented the world in a very unfiltered fashion. So you know, nothing staged. Uh, so that mm-hmm. that aspect of it was probably the. Because it mean, just felt like you were reality cu- TV isn't staged. You were just cutting between, yeah, just little windows of reality, different countries. 
Mm-hmm. That was that was nice. Um, especially, I there was obviously a very clear clear vision for it, and you know that I think that's probably the most key aspect going into a five year project like that. Like uh, where where you're gonna do exactly? Yeah, you need to see it because there there are yeah. some like um, like there's the uh, like the Mecca. Um, there's like like a scene in Mecca, and you have like all like oh, yeah. however many people. I think they yeah, can fit like, like a million, or I, I don't, maybe not that many. Sorry, uh, but like a million people. Set like I don't know the number, ten thousand. Yeah, or it, it was a, it was fifteen twenty thousand. Some at least. crazy number of people, and they're just like in this swarm, just like swirling around the whatever it's called. I can't remember what it's. We at looked the center it up. of, of we Mecca. looked it up. But I can't remember. Just in this like swarm, just thousands upon thousands Religious of people. Swarm. Just. All crazy. this spiritual energy. Just, oh, yeah. And, dude, the music, that's another thing, too. Mm-hmm. The music is just this, oh, my gosh. I, can't, I don't even know how to describe it. This, uh, hmm. It, it's it's not like, I guess I'd say it's kind of surreal. I don't, I don't know how to describe that sound. It's kind of like Dune, I feel like. Oh, you mean the, it's kind of similar to like what we listen to in the, uh, I mean, it's not that crazy, but. It it's has, this angelic. Uh, yeah, sort of yeah, like yeah, yeah. throughout and very Middle Eastern, obviously. But yeah, but they have it on loudspeakers. That's what's playing, like in the there, not just in the film, but also there. That's like what's playing on loudspeakers is that. So I think that's what's that's what's making everybody do these movements at the same time. Speaking, that, that's, I mean, like that's on the loudspeaker. There's a loudspeakers in that in Mecca, and then that's what's playing. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I just meant it's like not just in the film. film. I know. I I'm just saying like, throughout the film, like the score is. Oh, no, I thought you were incredible. talking about like the Middle Eastern. So yeah. Well, anyway, you need to watch. Well, it. Yeah, I was gonna say. Speaking of that, Brian Morescu, are you reading yeah. Immortality Key still? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How was that? Reading sure. But, well, because <laughs> have you reading. touched it? In two I, weeks? I mentioned that because yeah, nope. that kind of reminded me of <laughs> nope Mecca and all the yes. places they yes. went to Eleusis. Babylon and mm-hmm. Lucis and there's all these spiritual yeah centers. I think Mecca. I can't remember how. I wish I remembered more information from the. We did some research on it after the film, whatever that Jeez. spiritual center place mm-hmm. was. But yeah. Continue. So, what do you remember from reading it so far? The kuke on beer and. Yep. I mean. The Eucharist and. Yeah, just all. What do you want to go into? I don't know what you're. I don't know. What are I'm you just, trying to. Propose? I'm just saying, what do you remember from the. Where can we go? Because I have another question, but I go wanted ahead. to. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that all the ruin that has visited been visited upon the earth by man showcased in this documentary. That's not the primary intention of the documentary, but that's uh, one of the Mm -hmm. points. Yeah, one of the points. Anyway, if you were president or some prime minister or something, what would be your first step in fixing the world? Or is that too big of a question? I'll try. I'll think about Mm, it. It just... Manifested itself. You you need to be. The thing is, here's the thing: is those people don't control really much. Right. You you need to be like. You you need to be somebody that doesn't exist. Really. You need to be like dictator of the world to get anything done. Okay. Well, that's course, basically yeah. what he's trying to ask. No. If you're a dictator of the world. Oh like, sure. Would okay. You, how would you? Well, what's the first thing you do, right? Hmm. I feel like there there are a lot of issues entangled within food production. And I feel like if you could provide enough like meat to the world via 
lab grown like like the lab grown meat process like if that could get to a point where it's cheap enough to produce high quality organic meat from a lab just mass produce it um for like fairly cheap that would eliminate a lot of the like destructive fishing um, practices that are taking place um which are like like decimating fish populations and um so how do they do it? They just overfish, or yeah? I mean, there's like thousands upon thousands of fishing boats that are out every single day, pulling in. I mean, million. Actually, but the number is like incredible. It's like I don't know if it's billion or trillion. You saw that? What you some fish video or yeah, documentary? Or I would just be yeah. spewing. It's incredibly the, good. That's, that's why I don't <laughs> even want to try. It's to an incredibly this good documentary. The documentary is called um, Sea Spiracy. Yeah. Just go watch it. It's incredible. I don't want to like butcher it. But all the um, chemicals they stuff in a fish too. Well, you never know what's going to be in that tilapia. That's and why I never eat the tilapia. The yep, dining yep. man. After that documentary, that documentary yeah. will change the way you view. Like way in a minute. The seafood you buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's not it's organic, if it's not like wild Alaskan. So you can't trust salmon. anything. Exactly. Well, you can't trust a lot. You can nothing unless you grow it pretty much. Yeah, uh, not a hundred percent. You just have to know enough. Well, I mean. But what do you know? People can lie. I mean, corporations. Actually, that's that was actually one of the main points of the documentary conspiracy. Like a lot of uh, like sardine uh, companies or like other like canned fish companies. They like to they like to have their little label like sustainably sourced and all this organic. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what but I mean. it doesn't mean well not organic, but like sustainably sourced. Like that means nothing. And actually, in the documentary, uh, the filmmakers sort of investigate why. It's just a complete facade. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, so, like, destructive fishing practices. And then there's also, like, a big problem, apparently, with, like, algal blooms. So all, like, the – because of all the cows and all the all the f- massive, like um, – just, like, all the, all the cattle that we have. So a lot of their manure, which is, like, incredibly toxic, just, like, gets – um, washed away and ends up in in the rivers. And that ends up, yeah, because of all the all the chemicals and all like the all the stuff that's pumped into the cows and oh, the in the, yeah. the feed that they consume. It's not like grass. It's mm-hmm. like yeah. corn and all this other crap that they're consuming. And so that when all that waste um, gets like somehow into like the rivers and stuff, that makes its way to the oceans, and um, it's like just rich with nitrogen and i guess algae like that's like cocaine for them they just feed off off uh, Hmm. nitrogen or like rich uh, nitrogen material and so it creates these like algal blooms and apparently there's like several massive algal blooms in the gulf of mexico and around the world um or maybe not several in the gulf but there there is a major one in the gulf and uh, several around the world and the more algae you have and like obviously with, with the sunlight and it's just create like the algae in the ocean just is getting out of control and fish can't breathe because of all the oxygen that's being, uh, like stripped out of the water. Mm. And so like fish are dying by like the millions because of these algal blooms. And then you got all these, uh, destructive fishing practices that are taking place. And I don't want to, I don't want to like butcher this. I'm going to look up the number really fast, but I believe it was like, Several, it's it's like three trillion fish are pulled out of the oceans every single year, and a lot of those fish are bycatch. So like sharks, um, turtles, a lot of these creatures, and mm-hmm. th- it's not like you're you're not gonna. 
take a shark back and like you know find a use for it you're just gonna you kill it and then you're gonna toss it back in the ocean so you're just like decimating trillions or millions of of fish just by accident sorry mate throw it back in the water um so that's a big problem and then eventually we're gonna reach a point where there's like not enough freaking food Uh i'm sure and then you're gonna have a, a global food crisis on your hands so i think if you can start with uh the the meat and then because so the world just throw needs it in more. the lab or so, yeah i mean it's actually being done right now I mean, oh yeah uh, the whole they just got to figure out how to make it make it cheap scalable exactly so how are we going to run out of food uh well by destroying the the global fish populations okay. i mean you'll have yeah billions of people who rely on the oceans for their food just like I mean, this, I don't know how long, I'm not, I'm no freaking expert, I just watched a couple of documentaries on it, but, like, at some point, you're going to have hundreds of millions of people, maybe even a billion people who can't get the food that they need, and so, I mean, that's just going to be a, a, a massive crisis. Now, as for, like, the United States, I mean, I feel like most of the United States, I mean, actually, that's not true, I mean, the United States relies on, on fishing and, and the ocean's mm-hmm just as much as many other countries. But other countries rely on the oceans more. Much more. Mm-hmm. Much, much yeah. more. So, um, obviously, in the United States, we have beef and uh, you know, pork and all the chicken, poultry, all that stuff. Um, but by eliminating... Here's another thing. Okay, sorry, I'm going off. But another thing is by uh, by growing the, mate, the meat in a lab setting, um, you won't have to, like, waste land for for cattle and for vertical pigs. farming yeah vertical farming in a sense convert into housing housing or just i mean I, I don't know what you do with that land but it just opened it's just more opportunity right. for mm-hmm. for progress and for other things mm-hmm. um yeah and uh, yeah so or, or just for for like i mean again like more space you could have like more sustainable uh, like renewable energy, you could have like massive wind turbines, and in place of that, you could have, um, I don't know, solar farms, um, and then we could sort of cut down on the whole like fossil fuel thing, and you know, it, there's everything. I feel like starts with, with meat. Mm-hmm. So by eliminating or by by eliminating that issue, you're gonna ho- hopefully eradicate the algal bloom issue, sort of restore the fishing. Uh, the fish populations around the world mm-hmm. and then maybe provide opportunity for future renewable energy sources. So do you think that the future holds electric cars? Most likely. Sustainable. Yeah, most likely. W- what do you do with the, this is the perennial question, but what do you do with the displaced truck drivers and all the other people who are That's out of a job being automated by McDonald's order screens or mm-hmm. what have you? Go what do you do with to school? People? Go back to school. Learn a useful skill. Do you think education will be free in the future? Do you think everything will be universal? I feel like we'll get to a point where like education is a lot. It's it's like, do you really need? Think about this. You don't. Do you really need to go to film school to learn about filmmaking? No, you have YouTube and YouTube and experience and experience. That's all you really. It's all going to be online. Yeah, you can pretty much learn anything. You can learn basically anything online, and if you really want to become like, if you want like a certain like just a hard skill, you just maybe do like a like a like a program, like a year program or whatever it is, and you get that certificate, and then you start working. You're going to college for a piece of paper, and somebody to say you can do this. I feel like I feel like 
I mean, I, most of like the reason why people go to college is for the college experience. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what you're paying just for. Books. That's your wisdom right there. It's just books and professors who purport to know everything Useless about the world. They just try to it's impart inform- wisdom to you, but it's like it's like you can ask anybody. I, I mean, there's certain experts, but nobody's an expert on anything. Yeah. There's just so much knowledge out there now. I feel like we're we're reaching the point where like, yeah, eventually you could just, I don't know, maybe you don't need to go to college anymore. So college will just cease to exist. It'll be out of business. No, well, I don't know. Hopefully there'll be some kind of universal like certificate system. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. the same thing, but it's yeah. on. It's free everybody's free knowledge is on the same playing field. Exactly, which is all equal. I mean, the intellect. thing is, it's pretty much like that anyway. It's just less defined. I mean, it's it's more defined now. And what do you mean? It'll be less like this guy Jim has a certificate from Harvard of this. Doesn't mean anything. It could be some homeless guy that has the same amount of information as him from YouTube or from actually Matt you know, Damon and Goodwill Hunting. Huh? What does exactly. it say? It'd be more universal. Yeah, I, but still, like about three dollars and late charges at the public library or something. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep, exactly. Well, it's also like you said. I mean, you. Didn't you say that you've you feel like you've learned? I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but like you've learned more from like you're just your own personal. Well, I told you about that reading. quote, right? The the most important things you learn in school are that the most important things can't be learned in school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was in that. Well, that was from the author of that Kafka on the Shore mm. book, but he has a lot of great quotes. But so where are you going with that dude? It was just yeah it's just yeah. the whole idea meat. that like you're you're paying for yeah. Yeah. meat it all starts with meat <laughs> it all starts that's the root of our problems right there is meat no yeah but just like you're paying what you're paying for is the quote unquote college experience yeah. so like parties the four years of of socialness and they might as well just create just like replace the universities and just have like and just replace them just yeah. take and them a down. piece of paper yeah, and there you go. But you could still have. What are you replacing with? No, no. I'm saying, just there's still college towns. So go there and live while you're that young and experience yeah. that. But it's not no longer an actual. There's just place. hubs. Yeah. Of hubs of place. Yeah. All, all, all the, young yuppies. Yeah. Hundred years from now, all, all the places that were college towns. I mean, they'll re- replace the college yeah. word with something else. Because that's half of what you're paying for. It's just yeah. that enclave of mm-hmm. like-minded same, people. Like-minded. At the same time, though, I mean, I can only speak from, like, my limited perspective of, like, film. I mean, for people who are going into college to learn about, like, like science or, I don't know. Yeah, uh, a medical degree. A medical degree or, you like, You kind of want your doctor to know what he's talking about. <laughs> exactly. If so, you're going to be operating on your heart, you yeah. want him to... Yeah, not to say that... Somewhat know what he's talking nobody about. Nobody should go to college, yeah. blah, 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 because it's not... I mean... That's what I just mean, yeah. like, the universal, like, certificates, like, some kind yeah. of, t- of system... Which I guess, yeah. As well, long as that was free. What and do like you think about in the near could... future? I don't know about in our lifetime, but the near future when everything's automated, even doctors, teachers, any any occupation you can think of is automated. What do we do then with our time? Actually, this is a that's a great point because uh, I took this um, some AI course, power and inequality class, which I hated, but. At the beginning of the semester, we were talking about utopias, and um, he believed, my professor believed, that we were actually approaching a utopia, a more utopian society, um, just because of, like, there's there's literally, like, 
virtually no more hunger. Um, I mean, obviously people are hungry in the world, but for the most part, like everyone, like there's enough food. Maybe it's not high quality food, but there is food, right? You don't have millions of people every year starving to death and, you know, these massive famines or anything like that. So, and, and there are other things too, um, like just access to all this knowledge f- yeah. for a majority of mm-hmm. the population. Child mortality rate has plummeted. Yep. War is, there's mutually assured destruction. So nukes kind of neutralize or cancel out exactly. the need for war. You'd hope so. At least. Yep. Yeah, you hope so. <laughs> yeah, and you can go we'll on, on and on. There's, yeah. there's lots of examples of like how we've improved. Yep. Also examples of how we've, you know, sort of devolved in a, in a sense. But yeah. Oh, yeah. you'd a love that one book, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Mm. It's pretty much exactly what you're talking about. Okay. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we we were talking about that. Like, so what do we do when we get, reach the point where like, uh, like certain occupations are no longer needed because they've been replaced with automatons and and robots and stuff like that. Time to go to Mars. What happens then? Well. Or no, sorry. Musk Mars, is already Mars. working on that. Oh yeah. No, that's not what we talked about. Actually, we the discussion was, um, what if we were at the point where, like, in a hypothetical utopian s- situation, like, um, there was no like financial burden to do certain things, or like you weren't incentivized by money, or like you didn't become a doctor for the money. You right. became a. What would happen is. Um, like if, if everyone had, let's say like an equal, yeah, if everyone had equal base, access to education income. of like medical care, yeah. uh, food, like basic you don't have to worry about any of. of that. If your basic needs are taken care of, people will, uh, will learn and do what, what they want to do over like what is the most like, um, what's going to get them the most money or the most mm. benefits. I, so, so what would they want to do? Example. Well, it, for example, like. Instead of becoming a doctor because it's going to make you more money, maybe your real passion is like writing, or music, or I don't know if I have enough psychology. So, so that's it's really the arts. It's really the well. It could. I I think probably. I mean, everyone has that artistic potential that sort of gets socialized crushed. out of them and crushed <laughs> at a young age. Because ah, it's just a uh, well, know. Picasso. Every child is an artist, but mm-hmm. it's a, just a matter of. Be- Stay in one when you grow up. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that's that, going to happen. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, you're. I, I think something kind of crucial to that is. Uh, I'm, I don't want to go off on a completely other track yet, but. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about right before this? Damn it! I was gonna. It's gone now. Damn no. Okay, well, but in the in the in the every child is an artist. It's. I feel like the people that can stay in that, kind of creative mindset. You know, some people they have to kind of rediscover it. it was, we talked about this before. Like you, you're born, you forget everything and right. blah, blah, you know, um, what you, you're no. kind of going to rediscover that. But the people who can keep that childlike, you know, obviously matured, but still childlike, um, point of view or openness and, you know, playfulness about them in their career and throughout their life, I think are the most, probably the most happy. Okay. Yeah. I can mm. see that. What do you think about destiny and fate? Because you talk about, Forgetting your hmm. path and then rediscovering it, and I don't know who said that, uh, but somebody said that the circumstances don't make the man; they reveal him to himself, something like that. So it's just a hmm. a process of peeling back the oh yeah 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 onion no, yeah, layers and mm-hmm. like is it is it there already? But you're just yeah is it, it is it there already or is it just really 
mm. society. Well, there's, I mean, there, there are people who you could look at their life and you'd say they died without ever realizing it, yeah. without ever realizing whatever that, you know, peeling back all the layers. Do you ever realize it? So, this question. Because you could be an actor not. in the five years. Like, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. This no, you're right. is not what I want to do. You're right. And then you have an obligation to change course. Yeah, because the mind is so fickle. It's like your interests change at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. You don't really know. Very true. That's why it's like it's so hard to define yourself because you can't you can't define yourself. What do you think of the people who you can't like say, have their one thing? I am a writer. What, I am What do you think of the people I am a doctor? Who say they have their one thing and they're like, This is this is it. This, this is, is all it. yeah. They have no complaints. They're just obsessed with their Yeah. Yeah. And it never changes. They do it for sixty years. That's a rare case. Uh, yeah, I think that's rare case. Yeah. It's like Tarantino. He just knew he was destined to make movies. He's just so self confident. So you don't you don't feel that at yes. all about anything? Do I personally? Do you feel about, like that way? <laughs> even a little percentage about anything? I'm just wary you of just committing myself. Of it's just kind of wary of you, committing. Yourself. Yeah. Like, mm. Yes, you have to. Mm. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> you have to keep an open mind. Like you have to be receptive to. Mm-hmm. All that life throws at you. Because there's this one Alan. No, it's not, it's not Alan Watts. I'm not gonna quote Alan Watts again. Zen Buddhist oh. perspective, where it's like the Isn't purposeful. What wasn't he a Zen Buddhist? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, they are kind of conflated. But anyway, the purposeful life is actually it, it hurries on and misses everything, paradoxically, while the purposeless life misses nothing. Is in, attuned to its surroundings. And is open to receive everything. It's just a way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about um, someone who is committed to something for a, you know, whatever period of time that they're interested in it for? But that commitment allows uh, an, maybe an unlimited number of doors to open up. Of course, we're talking about you. No, we're talking about anything. Yeah, but no, I, I just thought of, I thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't dither and dally for the rest of your life. You have to mm. go down one road and see what it brings. And it's kind of like you have to go to an extreme. You have to push your limits beyond what you're capable of more than enough to realize, mm. oh, I got to dial it back. Yeah, this yeah. is not for me. But you have to go beyond that. Go threshold. down that road to figure it out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what I was talking about. I was. I had some other point that wasn't as far off the path. Is it about meat? It was no. Well, it okay. was. It was Is really it about the utopian. Po- anyway, I, I don't think I fully answered your question about what you're. What the whole like, um, like what's your question? Like, if if what's what? the future going to look like if we have universal basic income? And oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was related to that. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah. for it. Um, go for it was it. just. Do, I I don't I don't know why, but personally, I don't have that much faith in. Human in, in humanity. The if you had, you know, if it were, if if there wasn't any real push to become a, you know, I don't know how much I really have faith in people to open up to their artistic side. I feel like people are still going to do the same. You know, even if the the situation is not the same, I feel like they're still going to tend. They're going to still have the same tendencies towards, you know, the same narcissistic. Okay, I'm going to hoard everything. It's mine. I'm going to, yeah. you know. It just unless there's a, some crazy, massive, you know, change in consciousness, and evolution, I don't think it's going to be any. I don't think it'd be that much different. So it'd be brave new world. Maybe it would work for a while, but yeah, you'd probably have to drug the population consistently yeah. to 
do it so that they're not apes, you know? Mm-hmm. What was your other point? Were you going to say something? Oh, um... Hmm. Yeah, I, I was just going to... So I, I described, like, how, yeah, basically reiterating if you didn't have all that extraneous stuff to, to worry about, you would just focus on your passions, what you actually cared about. But, yeah, I don't think that's actually, like, the case. I mean, that's just a theoretical utopian situation are we actually headed in that direction no i I think where we're headed is like certain jobs that can be uh taken over by automation and uh like robotics and stuff like that kind of like what we're seeing with um with uh elon musk and like his massive self-driving semi trucks and stuff like that i mean and then you've, you're gonna have drones delivering packages for amazon instead of people i mean i think that's great because people need to get out of those jobs and 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 probably spend mm-hmm. time learning like uh not to say that those aren't valuable to society they definitely are mm-hmm. but like something more valuable to them to more them. meaningful to them mm-hmm. a way for them to contribute like in a greater way to society and, and to yeah. themselves and stuff Grew like themselves. That. Just there, there people are meant for much more and more much potential. greater things than just delivering boxes exactly. yeah. or yeah. bagging groceries right. or hmm. whatever. Or, or you know, what makes me the most depressed seeing people in those toll booths. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, what? Why the do hell we still are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Five yeah. bucks. Please. It's like, like but, did you ever see better call Saul? I've seen no. some of it. Yeah, Mike Ehrman Trout's a toll booth guy. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh yeah, he's no, just I sitting there with a the yeah, newspaper. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah but well, just ahead. just one thing. <laughs> I, I would hope that if if there is a utopia that where that doesn't exist, there is a system to support those people, and not just g- the greed that you know. Cur- like right now, there's just such a massive gap between the one percent. It's like yeah. that's got to end. That has to end if you if you want to get there. It has to end. There's no way for you mean even out the yeah at least at least a, to support salaries the wages the no not really that but at least income if you want to get rid of those jobs those those very easily automated jobs in the future mm-hmm. there's got to be a system to support those yep. right those like, if you want the if you really want the, you know have their best interests in mind then you need to have some kind of either universal basic income or system set up so people can achieve more than they so they're not totally you know in infested by all these ape tendencies like i gotta survive i gotta hoard i gotta you know you know all these things if they want to you know if you're really trying to help them achieve their higher potential then you gotta provide that's the rub is getting people off the government dole and incentivizing them to to no longer (sighs) collect their unemployment checks and yep yeah well you reminded me of something this is related in a tangential way but the how Robert Greene talks about, and you have this, you still, you probably still have this on your mirror or something, but channeling or self your negative emotions into something. Your shadow self. Creative. Yeah, kind of integrating your shadow. Yeah, we much. talked about that a lot in yeah. the last podcast. Okay, we well, we, I won't but do yeah. it again. No, yeah. no, 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 go into it, please. Yeah. I wasn't going to say, I was just saying that was related to what you were talking about with the people who are on the bottom mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. channeling into something else. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you at in 48 Laws, or did you finish it? One law left. One law I could have finished wow. it, but I, if, okay. yeah, I had to come here. So. <laughs> had to come here. I had, you, come. I had to. I had to break, my, break my session, my <sighs> three-hour reading session. Yes. Ah, uh, that's unsatisfying. I bet you were like, yep. I'm going to get bah. this done. Yeah. I don't even remember what the last law is. Uh, assume formlessness. Yep. 
That's what it is. Be like water. Be like water. Yeah. Okay. Not so, too. what's your what has been the one, the one law that you haven't been un, uh, unconsciously integrating into your life yeah, that's, that's brand new to you that is just totally resonated with you? <sighs> Good luck. Yeah. My head feels like it's getting crushed by these headphones. <laughs> so I can't. My head is just ballooning right now. I would say this is a poor example. But I would say one of them, one of them, is interaction with boldness. Okay. Okay. Yep. That was yeah. one for me for sure. Be courageous, and you have nothing to fear. It sounds banal, but be bold. Don't be timid. Uh-huh. Don't be indecisive. And. Was that um, did did Robert Greene give the example of like Christopher Columbus and for that law? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, about he appealed to the Portuguese for the voyage, and he had virtually no experience. No experience. Yeah, being a navigator, and then have some charisma. He's like, yeah, he's like, uh, who was it, Isabella or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Ferdinand and Isabella. And he's like, yeah, can I just cross the? Atlantic Ocean. Well, he was incredibly bold about it and yeah. very, very self-confident. Yeah. Even, even if it was figure sort of, to make it. Yeah, yeah. It's all about to an extent. A, to an yeah. e- not. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Thing is, here's the thing: is faking it. Whenever you do fake it, you're gaining experience. So then it kind of like fills itself. But in you need to know like the the limits of that. Well, yeah, obviously. And obviously, like the limits of your own potential. For sure. You don't want to put your. You gotta be experienced. You gotta be smart about it. Get hired by. Yeah, you gotta be smart about it. Yeah, and then you have no. But as long as you're smart about it, then. But look at Christopher Columbus. Like, was that? Was that? I don't know. How would you look at that? I mean, he had no. I guess he really had nothing to lose. I'm gonna die. When you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there was something in it for the crown. So. Yeah, that's that's another one that he says appeal to your their self-interest oh, yeah, exactly. not their mercy your gratitude or i did this for you so you're gonna do this for me mm-hmm. you say no that's it this is it for you yeah this is how i can make your dreams mm-hmm. come true mm-hmm. and then you go in for the kill later yeah it kind of reminds me of that book dale carnegie i, I want to read it again but i got walk in the woods again I, I, I love that book that's like one of my favorite books of all time but like ah, what am I doing? Life is so short. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If I, Do I have time to read books twice? <laughs> yeah, it's like, but really, I mean, there's just too much crap out there that you gotta, <laughs> too much gotta, gotta consume, you gotta, gotta consume absorb. It all. Uh, so I'll, it's like I'll have time in the next lifetime. Yeah, next life, ah. But what do you think about reading a book twice? Would you read Forty Eight Laws twice? Yes, I would. No. I, I think certain books I would. No, uh, I'm hoping the rest of Robert Greene's books are as good as Forty Eight Laws. Artist deduction definitely is. Yeah. So I, I think if they if they are all as good as Forty Eight Laws, I could definitely see myself reading through them all again. Because that's my my goal is to read all these books, except for maybe like I don't really care for Thirty Three Strategies of War. I really like personally. I have no interest in reading that book, even though it's probably incredibly well written and there's a lot of great stuff in there. I just like eh, don't really care to, but. Some, the main point that he makes is it's more about what you conceal than what you reveal. Mm-hmm. So kind of always talk less than is necessary. Remain a mystery. Remain a mystery. Remain inscrutable. 
affect an air of unpredictability. Mm-hmm. That's fairly yeah. There's a lot of consistent theme. Yeah, throughout. and that's the same thing in artist seduction too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all just games. Uh, yeah, it's all it's all a game. Yeah. like games with no frontiers. Games with no. Fr- I w- that was, <laughs> song was going through my head the other day. Games yeah. with no frontiers, war without fears. Yeah. War without tears. Oh, at war without tears. And then what's the next line? I don't know. That <laughs> song. I'd have to like have it going to yeah. remember. Okay. What's one if book? If looks could kill, they probably yeah. will. What's yeah. one book right now that you could definitely see yourself rereading? Walk in the Woods. Okay, Walk in the Woods. What about you? Hmm. Brave New World. <laughs> well, I'd like to read this this the conclusion. But yeah, probably Brave New World. I don't know. If I was going to try to write an adapted screenplay, I'd need to read it about six times. But just out of like pure interest like or refreshing your memory on it. They'll just blur together into one. Hmm. Yours would be the sperm book. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. Ten percent meat, ninety percent spew. Maybe <laughs> Hobbit. I don't know. Yeah. I could yep. Hmm. There's just some I don't know. Certain timeless books that calling you, beckoning you to read it again. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Bible's gonna be one of those books like I'll probably oh. read several times throughout my life just because mm-hmm. you're going to learn <laughs> you're going to take away new stuff each time you could probably read that continuously starting right now for the rest of your life for like six hours a day and probably still get new stuff out of it until you die yep very true yeah hmm yeah I guess for the time being 48 Laws of Power is probably the one I would pick but The Hobbit's a great pick too I would definitely read that again and you're doing the cinematography book right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm almost done with that. So what did that one, what was it, More Than a Carpenter or something? Mm-hmm. What? So you read that, right? Yeah, I read it a while ago. What, what was it about? Do you oh. remember anything from it? Uh, again, it's like, I, I, that's a book I could reread again because it's, it's only like 150, 40 pages. Very short book. But it's written from the perspective of a, of a skeptic, uh, Josh McDowell, who um, went to college and he he, uh, he, met, he had like this group of friends and they were all, I don't remember if they were Catholic or they were just Christian, and they were discussing like God and Jesus and he thought it was all BS and so he set off on this uh, like research journey, spiritual journey if you will, to like prove them wrong and through like logic and deductive reasoning came to the conclusion that Jesus has to have existed and or else I mean it's either uh, like one of the one of the main points that he makes like Jesus was either a liar a lunatic or he was the lord and he basically explains he kind of treats it like a like a like a court case and so he he through reasoning and logic, or through yeah logic, he explains how he couldn't have been a liar. He couldn't have been a lunatic. He couldn't have manipulated and uh, completely um, like deceived like all these people into believing that he truly was God, even if uh, if he wasn't, and convinced himself and all this stuff. Like he has to have been who he said he was, and he also went into like the whole tomb. Uh, thing and how um, there's no way that he could have possibly like moved the stone by himself and like there were guards standing outside the tomb the whole night like there's no way that he could have 
possibly escape unless it was from some divine uh, hmm. power. Anyway, great book, very easy read, definitely worth your time. And it like it changed my perspective. It definitely made me want to look into like the the history of the Bible, like oh the actual gosh. writing of the Bible more. Like I want I, to. Well, do I was going to ask you about that. So does he nothing. have any evidence? More evidence that you remember? Uh, I, I would probably just butcher it, but okay. I mean, it, it, there's there's evidence well, in the book. I, one okay, what are you going to well, say? Something you guys might look into when you have a when you have a chance is um, some of the you know physical historical sites that still exist, like in there as how they're described in the Bible. That's kind of an interesting rabbit hole to go into. But I was you wondering, like I was wondering why you were talking. Hmm? Well, just like Nazareth. no, very specific. Place just I mean there's either stones or like very specific kind of geography that's mentioned and like these real places. Is that an immortality key? No, or that's no. just your own. No, I've just seen some. Okay, but um, but that, I was just making made me think of uh, where's where's the side of the tomb? I don't remember. Does that still exist? Or is there any physical remains? I, is it, well, here's the hill is there. Here's the something hill I've always wondered. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why so Saint Paul purportedly wrote many of the epistles in the book in the New Testament, like Thessalonians, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, yada yada, to certain towns in ancient times. And he like he pretty much comprises half the New Testament. Mm. So it makes you wonder and some people speculate, well, okay, maybe he wasn't the the Paul in the Bible. He was just some other Paul. And he was just a priest or, or something. Mm-hmm. What would impel him to write all those letters of rapture and love for this human who, mm-hmm. if he didn't exist, why would he write all those? It's just some drug-induced... Yeah, it's a lot of wise fancy, from that. And also another question is why is it such a mystery? Why? I mean, I've already asked this before, but why didn't they have some clearing so hard conch to say, this is the Lord and the whole universe could hear that. Mm. And and we still have bickering and fighting over yeah. What's Muslims what? versus Jews and Buddhists versus Hindus. And yeah, we still have religious wars. It's like you could have ended that all. Mm-hmm. by proclaiming that you were the one on the day. And then you object that, well, okay, many people were illiterate, they couldn't read or write, and so these very few select people jotted down the fragments of what he said. And, hmm. yeah, but but then there's also evidence that they wrote it 30 years after, mm-hmm. and he probably talks about that too. Mm-hmm. He does mention that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like memory is fallible, and you can confabulate a lot of memories, and mm-hmm. it's like it's just a why? Mess. It's just it's all because the parables are great. Like the mystery. this, all the his sayings, a lot of his like you must be a child first in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, or Mm, that it's, it's easier the for uh, we just about. it's easier to thread a camel through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. That thing too. A lot of great 
lines that are just so gnomic enigmatic enigmatic but <laughs> wow what was that yeah enigmatic. <laughs> that's what that word sounds like anyway it sounds like you said nomad nomad enigmatic nomic sounded like that i heard nomad too nomad nomac <laughs> nomic and enigmatic sounds utopian but, yeah it does sound <laughs> utopian i was going to say that one of the, on after yeah. he stopped talking yeah. once yeah well why didn't God do a better job? That's the <laughs> what main the hell question. Of God, come on. That's the main. Come on now. The it's just question. all psychedelically induced. That's why only like one person hears it at a time. Just right. One. It uh, could be. Yeah. All those visions in the Bible. They're eating their stew be. in the middle of nowhere, and a couple mushrooms get in there, and then. And there you have it. There's. The that's why it's only like one person at a time. They're all these individual counts. You know. Yeah. They're hearing something or whatever. Mm. So do you want to? Briefly, Elusis. yeah. Briefly talk oh. about that, just for like a couple minutes, a couple hours about please. immortality key, or yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So the so the whole premise of the, of the book by Brian Murescu is that the origins of Christianity are heavily intermingled with uh, Greek spiritualism, mostly of the events that take place for thousands of years, about two thousand years consistently, um, from about seventeen fifty BC to to roughly 250 AD in Eleusis, which is about I think, 15, 20 miles north of, of Athens. And yeah, it was pretty much the spiritual capital of the Mediterranean for 2,000 years. And there, uh, the, 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 there was an annual ritual that took place, and anybody, it was, pretty, it was Pan-Hellenic, so it wasn't a, you know, a specific um, religion, or it wasn't really, it wasn't um, considered a specific religious ceremony, so anyone was allowed to come. And uh, yeah, you pretty much were an initiate into this completely unknown ceremony. You just walked into the to Eleusis, the the temple, and um, no one really knows exactly what happened after that. It was it was, it was very secretive, and uh, there's a lot of you know ancient philosopher scholars that allude to it in, in certain ways, and and some poems and uh, different material that survived. Which who knows what hasn't survived. And some people had been fasting for a week. Yeah, too. I don't know if it was if there was a, you know, an exact preparation that everyone followed, but I'm sure that was probably part of it. Um, but yeah, so it, it. But they think just based off of um, what was growing around the area, it was mostly. There's a pretty simple recipe that's described as, as what's the, um, what'd you say it was called? The kukayon. Kukayon. The kind of ambiguous brew that these initiates drank but it was barley water and they think that there's a pretty good chance that the barley um, had been infected by ergot the fungus which um, is a pretty similar has a pretty similar uh, chemical structure to, to LSD a um, little bit different, but not not very different. So the effects can be seem to be similar, and yeah, that's what they pretty much believe was uh, was involved in the in the kukayan, the whatever the brew was, and so that's what was given to these initiates, along with some mint or something to make it taste a little better. But yeah, it's it's largely unknown. Besides that, but a lot of the um, so the the, the 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 theory is that the crossover after that ended, it's so closely tied to. Um, some of the uprising of Christianity and how similar to the close to the same time that this um, 
these spiritual practices in, in Greece were starting to crumble, not starting to crumble, but did crumble as they were kind of destroyed. Partially, the empire was destroyed by some Christians who came in. So anyway, the the, the basis of a lot of the the original Christian Christian sacrament or Eucharist is kind of intermingled with this kukeon brew. And so the the real question that it um, you know prompts is was the original is is Christianity based off of this? Um, or at least some some of the religious practices based off this kind of psych, psychedelic experience that a lot of these you know people that were not part of the Christian religion for thousands of years experienced, and is that really where it's based from? So are we Greek or Christian? Where, where's the you know where do the origins of each of those stop? And you know, so yeah, that's that's really the basis of the book. And well, why do they? Why did they go to this temple? I would assume because some of the first initiates probably advertised it a little bit just through word of mouth as a unforgettable. So uh, the whole the whole premise of the of going to this and experiencing it was if you die before you die, you won't die when you die. So if you experience this very intense, I imagine it probably in complete darkness, um, probably overpowering psychedelic experience, then you'll be in some degree immortal or or at least you'll you'll have realized your immortality. I think that's really what it is. You'll you'll realize that you're a you know, some part of you is, is immortal. You're that kind consciousness of an immortal passes being. on yeah. or okay. Something does. And <laughs> Or there's just an immortal element to your existence, so then you won't really be okay. So vanquishing the fear of death. Yeah, I think that's kind of what it alludes to. Hmm. Yeah, so that's that's probably why I'd say they. And did we ever talk about the connections between the Bible and Greek mythology, with Dionysus and wine turning water to wine, and then that being Christ, and how the Greek tradition preceded the Bible, and Demeter being Mother mm-hmm. Mary. Yeah, and but we have not talked about that. No. Yeah, but there All are those a lot correlations. Of, um, correlations like that. Just it's like transitioning like, from yeah Greek culture and then these Christian yeah um, figures that are kind of but yeah the, it, it's just it's interesting the timing that it, you know they occurs because this these ceremonies obviously they, they last until. 250-300 AD, but then there's a particular emperor that kind of crushes them and doesn't allow them to continue. And then right after that, the temple is destroyed by Christians, and there's all kinds of... It kind of just ends about 300 AD. Why do you think and the Christians destroyed the temple? False. That's <laughs> They think it's of their, you know... It's just, it's just, a, just a... Challenging their authority, or...? Yeah, they're, they're worshiping fa- false gods. Mm-hmm. Um <coughs> Well, it, I just bring up that point because if that's what started it all, possibly, with these certain brews or just stumbling mm-hmm. on a mushroom or something, then you would think they would bring that into the fold and welcome that instead yeah. of... thing is, think about, I mean, it was, it was so secretive. Yeah. You know, how are they really going to... That's the thing, is, that's the point, is it, it might have been, might have been the original, the original Eucharist or the original sacrament that was consumed or that might be where they got that tradition maybe it was never 
psychedelic, at least on the Christian side. Maybe it was just a con, con, you know, consummation of something. Mm-hmm. But the original, original, where, where maybe they get that from is, you know, that brew or consuming yeah. something. What were you talking about? The how you're eating saltines and drinking grape juice now, and you're just totally oblivious to the origins of real Christianity. People don't take that dive into what they yeah. truly believe in. It's is definitely a, It's definitely quite a. Be, it turns it on its head. Yeah, it really is blind faith because it's not subject to that unfettered inquiry that mm-hmm. science and yep. other. You got to have faith. Yeah. Can't but question. in a sense, it's like you have to have faith in science too. That's another dogma. It's like I was reading in I think Forty Laws about Jonas Salk and the I don't remember what he made, but something about immunizations and then one other scientist who pioneered something. Anyway, the scientists of that age didn't accept, like for instance, the heliocentric or Mm-hmm. whatever theory or Galileo or just all the uh, Newton, all those, it took a generation. Someone to re- yeah. Someone to, to go outside of the bring grandfather that, that in mm-hmm. because yeah, it, it really fell onto the younger generation's shoulders because all these old farts are like, bah, no, that's not it. That's not the, yeah the way reality is. And so they yeah, just the, kind of, the ones who don't have those spurn deeply that. entrenched you know, ideas are the yeah. ones that are bringing the new, bringing in the new. And in a sense, I think even, I just had this reala- realization, but even liberals have some conservative blood in them. Oh, yeah. I think everybody is tied to the past in a sense, and that they're ossified in certain beliefs that they just refuse to change. And, and there's some psychological term for that where yeah, self fulfilling. Beliefs or, or something where you only look where that confirms your mm-hmm. confirmation oh, yeah. bias. Yeah, yeah just confirmation. Yeah. yeah, it's like mm-hmm. you refuse to see this other side of the curtain. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's a good place to wrap it up, I feel like. And yeah. And yeah. It's like, <laughs> so yeah. So. Yeah. So. And that's it. Well, I just had this thought that the other day that. What if every moment was the Big Bang? Yeah. That, For, that, the, the reason I thought about that is because at night, like maybe dreams or just other mm-hmm. things that you see that your visual cortex produces in your mind. I, I know what you're talking about. The, just all the explosions and yeah, random yeah, things yeah, that you yeah, see yeah. sometimes. Yep. It's like that could be yep. boom, boom, boom. It could be boom. happening. It's all happening at once. And it's, just, it's just happening on a larger and, scale. And what made me think of that is that Alan Watts, his main mantra is there's never anything but the present. And it's like, that's a threadbare trite phrase, but that everybody's heard a million times. That live in the now. There's nothing, anything but so, this moment. But that's really true. Something very interesting is the is related to that is the effect of, well, hmm. the ability to consider the future, past, and present, and um, and to differentiate them, and that that seems to be something that we've developed, you know, like 
inventing time, pretty much. You know, what's the, why is there a, but I, I love that, I love that mantra that kind of fits right in line with that. But we're the only kind of, we're the only, yeah. at least on this planet, we're the only species I, that seem to. A pig doesn't experience time. No. It's just, it is. It is. It's there. It's isness. Every moment is, yeah, it has yeah. a, there's a consistent intention yeah. like they're always experiencing something you know like you you look at the dog like i've done this a hundred times with walter just like watched him and i can just see the intention like w- what he's doing like okay this 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 there's no considering the past present future there's yeah. none of that doesn't exist doesn't just happen acting. just act just happen. no expectations just nope. acting yeah going along well i guess animals there are is a certain sure anticipation with for some pavlov things. and and then the operant conditioning mm. where you're expecting a reward. But in a certain sense, it's still just moment it's to still moment. Like, it's still moment to moment. Yeah. 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 To them, there's no there's no material world or spiritual world. It's mm-hmm. just and this some, world. What I was going to say is something, it seems like in writing at least, the effects of some of these psychedelics, that's what's happening. It's breaking down that barrier of past, present, future. The now is forever kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah that kind of relates back to your big bang every moment yeah yeah what do you think you about go. that i have no thoughts no thoughts <laughs> on some other plane it's probably happening i don't know about the physical but yeah there you go like if you if you were a if you operated in a dimension with the you know one one dimension higher that that would be you you'd be without time now ever ever present i don't know where to go from there <laughs> but well, we're trying to end uh, it on some smart smart quote or something instead of mr yeah. big so, bang yeah so and yeah what do you got to say anything me no 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 do you want to try uh. to figure out what that is what? his shirt oh yeah that's that's, that's a good way to end yeah okay, come full you circle. speculate it what we're talking about here is the is rough, he, rough like, and rowdy like, ways. Looks like a fading memory of album like cover a party. Okay, hold on, hold on, one person at a time. Yes, hold on. we are looking and examining the rough and rowdy ways album cover of Bob Dylan's newest release. Okay, and then to, to me, it looks like just first glance, very basic instinct. It looks like a, just a fading memory of maybe a happy time or something like at a party, like. Yeah, just a fading memory. That's why it, it looks a or little bit distorted. Yeah, family exposed gathering. Over there. They're dancing. In the corner too. There's like a dark corner. Yep, there's, there's people standing over there. Yeah, it looks like some kind dancing. of little house party. They're dancing around. See, what is he doing? There's one guy tell. kind of hunched over. He's what like, is that? Thing? Is that a fridge or? I can't tell what that is. It's hard to tell, or it's just like a counter. It looks like he's. He might be dancing too. Yeah, it kind of looks like he's dancing as well. Yeah, it's yeah a very but that's what it looks like. Some kind of fading, joyful, oh. joyful memory. In the corner, they're dancing. It's a couple. They're holding. Okay, so it's mm. like a. Okay, never mind. So the guy who I thought was hunched over, he's not hunched over. He's actually just doing like this weird boogie, and it looks like he's holding this countertop, but it's just like a weird, perceptual thing. He's just dancing. So yeah, it's just like a, like you said, like a fleeting. Joyful moment, like a house. Maybe. Oh, wait a second. Okay, so it's like a. It looks like a dance studio. Okay, that makes sense. Because the the polished wooden floors and okay, people are dancing. It's kind of hazy. 
can't tell what era that is. You think that's modern day or? It doesn't look like it looks maybe like uh, <clears throat> I don't know seventies maybe. Yeah, and the perspective, it kind of looks like uh, I don't know like you walk into a room and like yeah, that's what you see. see. Just yep. snapshot. Do you think the name has any relevance to the photo? Rough and rowdy ways. Yeah. Rough and rowdy, like dancing, having a good time. Because it's not like a disco album or anything, so I'm trying to <laughs> connect the dots here. Yeah, I mean, you've listened to those songs. Yeah. So does that make sense? Not at really. All? No? No. <laughs> not <laughs> well, supposed to. Isn't that Bob Dylan, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. One of his album covers was him out of focus, not even looking at the camera, just out of focus. Bah. That's, that's good enough. It is what you make it. So. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right, well, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time.